Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, on this Labor Day Monday. Thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to have my guest all the way from Oahu, Hawaii, and that is Jenny Lee. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thanks, Marcia. So excited to be here with you today. Me, I am excited to learn from you. My hands are open. That means I'm ready. And I just want people to know that that you are an award-winning author of three books, one which is going to be released tomorrow. You are a certified yoga therapist, and you are a spiritual coach. And I thought, Jenny, that a great way to open up the show is to let you share a little bit about your story so that people will, you know, get to know a bit about you before we go into talking about all the great things about your new book. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, you know, with this with the book Spark Change coming out tomorrow, um, it's it's appropriate to share. I think that my story has has held much change over the years and um, many different cross country moves and many career transitions and many relationship transitions. And I feel like I've just really embarked this lifetime on a master course in change. And I was thinking, um, you know, what it's brought me and the, what it's brought me really other than the ability to write a book about change is um, a real appreciation for, you know, how challenging it is for all of us um, to go through different things. And sometimes change is forced upon us. And, um, you know, my journey in yoga, we have yoga in common. We were talking about that before the show. And um, I've Mm -hmm. taught yoga for over 20 years. I'm a yoga therapist and um, counsel people individually in that practice. Um, And so much of what got me into that was really difficult personal changes that came um, unbidden. So often, you know, we we seek out change and we want to make it and we go for it. Other times, stuff happens, right? And so years ago, when um, I was married at the time, but the marriage was on having difficulties, and I was pregnant, and the pregnancy was having difficulties, and I had a baby, a small um, child as well, and uh, you know, it was it was just like life was delivering too much, <laughs> too much change. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find the tools um, to cope, as we all do. And, you know, this is life, right? We, we, there's no end to change. Change is the, the, the way of life. It just is. And so we can't escape it. There's no getting to some status quo and staying there um, in our little bubble. Um, so we need tools. And yoga, for me, is the tools. Um, not just the postures of yoga, which are probably the most familiar thing to people, but 
the inner practices, the ways in which um, yoga has helped me to balance my thinking and to re- regulate my emotional reactivity and to seek the spiritual aspect of life, which is, for me, that guiding force, um, really that highest principle that I'm always um, trying to align with. And um, I love, absolutely love the world word that you were sharing with me today as your word for today, which was attunement. So if mm-hmm. I can jump in with that. that please, so please, tell people what that means so, to you. <laughs> well, it's just so interesting because I was actually thinking about that this morning, too, on my morning walk. Mm-hmm. I always I always go for a morning walk, and it's my time to do my inner attunement. And what that means to me is to connect to spirit and to connect to my inner wisdom, to connect to the love in my heart and to connect to the intentions that I hold for the day. Um, So it's like a tuning fork, you know, that is for me, it's Mm -hmm. like tuning to the vibratory frequency that I want to be on, which is always Mm -hmm. one of positivity and love. Um, And it's also a tuning to that highest wisdom, which I believe is available to all of us. And that's so much of what, the book Spark Change, which I know we're going to be talking about today more, um, is about. It's a, it's a process of taking people through times of transition, changes in their life, and helping them to attune to that highest wisdom, which is within them. Um, so, yeah, I'm super happy to be here and happy to jump in anywhere you feel like. Well, you know, I this may be one of those shows that I don't interrupt as much <laughs> which would be a shocker, um, because I, I, cause honestly, I don't know when people listen to shows like this, particularly this particular show, although we would love for them to buy the book, and it will be available tomorrow. I tend to take notes because I love your wisdom, and because I am, I think it's so interesting, just the term yoga practice. The term practice is in itself very definitive because we're we're not yoga experts we are yoga in practice like a piano like anything else we practice we practice this and i i love that and and you're right about attunement and it's interesting because i also have had i had a major life change when my husband died in unexpectedly it's like i wasn't planning for that you know and i didn't know anything about yoga at the time that probably would have made it a little bit easier for me as I was going through those those first few months, years. Um, but I think that because I have found yoga and I have found that ability to take that deep breath and to be mindful, um, it's, it's, it's just been a game changer for me. And I, I appreciate what you've shared about your, your background about this. I, I guess what I would like to know, because I know you've written two other books. What, what were the name of the other two books that you wrote? Yeah, so the first book was called True Yoga, and um, the subtitle of it, interestingly, talking about practice, is Practicing with the Yoga Sutras for Happiness and Spiritual Fulfillment. So that book was um, a real dive into the eight-limb path of yoga practice, the the eight Mm -hmm. facets of practice, which are very much what are my guiding 
principles every day. Um, the yamas and the niyamas are the first two limbs, and they really outline the things that bring us into harmony within ourselves and with the, our outer relationships and world. Um, the yamas and the niyamas are, are practices such as simplicity and um, integrity and peacefulness. And then the other limbs, which are more familiar to people, are the postures, the asana, and the pranayam, which is the breath practice, that movement of energy that we do intentionally. And then the more subtle um, limbs are the internalization of our awareness. You know, when we go into the stillness, the introspection, the self-reflection, the focus in, internally, and all of that takes us to that final limb, which is the experience of, of ourself as the divine being that we are. So, you know, what are we practicing? We're practicing this remembrance of true self. And so all of these things that are in the teachings of yoga philosophy are the tools with which we practice each day. But the intention is always to remember our highest and best self so that we can live from that standpoint and um, blend our spiritual self and our human self and be able to walk through all the experiences of human life all of which is challenging. You know, it doesn't matter yes. what, what anyone's story is. Everyone not has a, their challenges. Right. Everyone has their not a competition. And, uh, nope. Yeah, no. Um, so suffering is a part of human experience, unfortunately, but we can really come to a different relationship with the suffering when we have these inner practices to rely upon. Um, my second book is called Breathing Love, and the subtitle is Meditation in Action. And so that was a, a deeper exploration of the practice of bhakti. Bhakti yoga is a devotional practice. So it's how we connect to love, love in our own hearts and our lives, but love as a universal energy and how we embody that and um, really the, the way in which we just live at a frequency of love amidst the chaos of modern life, which, you know, so that's that's an ongoing practice for sure right there. <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny. Yeah. Well, what inspired you to write this latest book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution? What was the inspiration behind this book? Yeah, so, um, you know, just kind of staying on the yoga um, connection mm-hmm. here, Spark Change, uh is a deeper dive into the practice, the yogic practice of self-reflection or introspection. So this is something that is spoken about extensively in yoga philosophy. And again, it's with the intention not just to psychoanalyze our, our human story and the way in which we've kind of come to who and how we are today, but but to also, an, not analyze, but to attune, <laughs> go back to that word, to attune, mm-hmm to our spiritual self. And so introspection from the standpoint of reflecting on both the small self, the personality self, and that higher spiritual self, which is a part of each one of us and is is really who we are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's the practice within Spark Change that I was um, uh, developing. And Mm -hmm. the format of the book is, uh, through questions, so not just your typical questions of, you know, what do you like, what do you want, but um, 
going deeper into some questions that hopefully don't enable people to give a quick pat answer, but that they have to stop and ponder and go, hmm, you know, what is my kind of soul wisdom around this? And how can I listen for uh, internally to the inner guidance that can come through when we get quiet? So these are very much questions that are meant to take people into a reflective space and and help them look at the circumstances of their lives from a different perspective. Oh, I like that. So what do you think is the most important factor, and it may not be the most important factor, but certainly one of them, for someone to successfully spark change in their life? Mm-hmm. Well, um, there are several factors to that. I mean, the first thing is the awareness of what our souls are really calling for um, because I do believe that we each are here for a reason and a purpose and we feel that, right? We feel it when we're kind of going along in life and then suddenly things just don't feel quite right or we have some level of discontent or, you know, when that malaise gets really bad, we can it can turn towards depression and real sense of isolation from our our inner self, our true self. And so these things point to uh, a different experience of life, which uh, those who have stepped into that greater attunement with their soul know to be true for each one of us, which is that we have a purpose. We're meant to know it. Um, And when we align with it, we feel such greater joy. And we also connect more to others because we're meant to be in connection and we're meant to serve one another. And so this, we're not isolatory entities. We're, we are part of a collective consciousness and as such, we're meant to be in connection and service to one another. So what's good for one is, is good for all. And it, at, at the level of spiritual attunement, um, it's not true when we're in our kind of egoic desires, but, the, the most important factors, get back to your question, the most important factor in terms of how to spark change, how to move into positive um, difference is willingness, I believe. Just being willing. Um, willing to think differently than maybe you have thought before. Willing to choose a new belief structures than maybe one that's been limiting you before. Willing to take action even when it's difficult. Willing to be vulnerable uh, with people about your feelings and ask for help, willing to um, just shift, move, mm-hmm. <laughs> do something different. You know, this we can't expect change to come. You know, positive change to come without any effort. So I talk right. about the fact that there is not really an easy button. Um, mm-hmm. We don't we don't get to just push an easy button. Like yeah. this life really is. It is. It is a fair amount of work. We're meant to put in effort. So I think willingness. If I had to pick one word, it's willingness yes. to 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 take all those steps. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a tremendous word because we all know that the word that surrounds us in our everyday existence around this world right now is uncertainty, and we can't do anything about that uncertainty because we don't know. But if we're willing to spark some change internally, which is what you're talking about, it will make that uncertainty, in my opinion, more bearable because 
we can't control the uncertainty of where we are today. If we all thought we could have that magic bullet that said, okay, on this date, life goes back to the way it was in 19, we'd say, well, fine, then I can, I can handle three, four months of this, but we don't know that. When, when we think about people making changes, what do you think keeps people from making changes that they know they need to make? Where's the resistance? What do you think stops people from doing that? Well, it's fear, right? It's, um, it's always fear, fear of what that uh, those steps are going to entail, the work that it might entail, the um, the consequences of action that you know might require some loss or some um, some challenge, and we we're kind of challenge resistant uh, until we're not. And then you know there, there are a certain number of people in the world who embrace challenge and thrive on it. And when we can get to that point, then it becomes almost more of a game. And I don't say that lightly because I know no. that it's not easy. It's very difficult. Um, and I, I know that from personal experience. But I also know the joy of embracing change as more of a challenging game and that it can really lead us into much greater states of happiness. And you mentioned uncertainty and not knowing, and that is very much the theme of the day. However, um, although we can't know the external kind of timeline of when things might go back to, quote, normal, not that mm-hmm. I don't know that there ever was or <laughs> will be, um, yes. but what we can know, the inner knowing, is that we can continually shift in um, relationship to the changes that are happening in our external world. And so the inner assurity that comes from being attuned, again, so that word, to highest wisdom, to soul wisdom, that's what gives us the assurance, the inner trust and the inner knowing when the outer knowing and the outer trust is not there. So it's very much about changing the place in which we're basing our trust and our assurance. That makes total sense. It makes total sense. But you mentioned the key word there, and I think that a lot of people, just like what you mentioned about uncertainty, is fear. People are afraid to make a change. And why, why do you, what, what do you think that's based on? Because it's hard. <laughs> None of us want hard, right? <laughs> like life feels hard enough, so why do we want to take on something else that feels hard? Right, but right. It's, it's like a, it's like a little trick because really, when we take it on intentionally, it becomes less hard. It's much harder to, like we're experiencing right now, deal with change that is forced upon us. If we're the ones that are in action with intention and courageous movement forward, then whatever the the challenges becomes less hard because we've taken it on intentionally. It's just flipping the script, really. It's Mm -hmm. flipping the belief in our mind. You know, it's funny. um, Words really matter. Um, in a lot of work, in a lot of companies, in a lot of people's business, regardless of what they do, you're a CEO, you're not a CEO, whatever. But because of my yoga practice and paying attention, and because words matter to me, there's another 
key yoga word, which is intentions. In fact, intentions versus goals and what's the difference between the two. And I think that, you know, I I haven't, I haven't received your book, and I, it's a book that I really want to have, and I probably should get the other two as well. But a glossary of words that you know as a trained yoga therapist, those words, they just, Jenny, I'm just going to tell you on a personal level, when I started my yoga practice in April, May, June, July, August, September, it's been almost a year and a half. Um, in the beginning, but even this past week, When she started to speak, I started to weep. Because when you speak with your background and understanding what yoga means from a spiritual, mindful, intentional, spiritual place, and I I think that a lot of people don't really know that yoga offers all of that. You know, that it's not... It's maybe not what you think it is. Maybe you've never tried it. Maybe you're thinking, oh, gosh, I can't sit with my legs crossed like that and talk to the sky or whatever those weirdos do in yoga. No. If you don't know what it is and you've never attempted it, you've never tried it, with today's technology, all my yoga classes are on Zoom. You know, you don't even have to live in the States. You could be living anywhere as long as you can Zoom. And I think what you're doing at this time, as that spiritual coach, as that somebody that might be talking to a family member that's really struggling for a variety of reasons, it is such, it's such an incredible gift that you have. And it didn't come without a great deal of education and practice on your own because I know it's a very, um, it's a very um, what am I, demanding um, degree to get in and being certified as a, you know, it's one thing to be a yoga person. It's another thing to be a certified yoga therapist. So I want to just congratulate you on what it took to be able to do that and then add in the, the writing and all of that. It keeps you, you know, very, very busy. And when we think about self-reflection, in what way is self-reflection a spiritual practice. How would you define self-reflection and a spiritual practice? Well, it's um, you know, it's it's what I was saying again. We can psychoanalyze our our human experience, our story, our family of origin, the experiences that we've gone through, and it's important to understand all of those things. But the yoga teachings say it's also important to understand that you're more than that. Story. You're more than all of the accumulated experiences of your life. You're more than that. And so how do we get to know that part of ourself that's more than that human story? Well, it's through this practice in the yogic terms it's called swadhyaya or this practice of self-reflection. And the self that they're talking about is the spiritual self. Um, also, you could call that spirit or soul mm-hmm. or God or the essence or energy or love. And so how do we know ourselves as that? And that's what the practices like meditation and um, breath work that calms the mind and drops us into an awareness that's beyond the chatter of the human story that we are going through every day. And 
So you mentioned a couple words, and I'm a big, obviously, wordsmith too, and I love words, and I wanted to circle back to this intention um, word of intention and, you know, really define that a little bit more for people because intention is not like a hope, like, oh, well, you know, I intend or I hope for that to happen, and it's sort of lightly there. Yoga, the yoga philosophy, the word is sankalpa, and sankalpa is the intention but it's intention with energy behind it or will. And so going back to what we were talking about, willingness or willpower, and this is a chapter within Spark Change, the book that's coming out tomorrow. Um, There's a whole chapter about willpower and willingness and questions that support your exploration of that because we intention doesn't come alive until we drive some energy of will, power, and willingness into it. And that's sankalpa. That's what the yogis are talking about in terms of intention. It's not just a, a hope or a fanciful thought. It's, it's really with strong energy moving behind it. And so when we're practicing a breath technique, um, you know, often in yoga there are kind of combination practices where we might be holding a, a thought so that, that intentional thought. Um, then we're d- doing a breath practice, and we're also maybe visualizing energy moving. So you could be visualizing energy moving up to the, the point between the eyebrows or the third eye point. That's mm-hmm. the center of intuition, and that's where we, we can tune into inner guidance. So all these things kind of come together, and it, it, it's an ancient science. I mean, yoga is over 5,000 years old. It's a very complex and ancient science. The, the things that we see in the general media that are kind of shown as yoga are pretty pictures of people in crazy postures. And, you know, that's all part of it, but it's only a tiny part of it. And it, the reason for those postures is to make the body healthy and aligned and able to sit quietly in meditation and have the inner experiences that you and I have been speaking about today. So it's, um, it's something that takes time to learn. I'm still a student. As much as I've been a teacher for two, over 20 years, I'm still a student. I read every day. I meditate every day. I, I listen to my inner spiritual guidance every day. I, I write. I journal. I self-reflect. Um, I do my breath practice. So it, it, there's no like end to it. It's, it is an ongoing um, daily practice. You know, you said something that I was about to ask you, but you answered it before I asked it, which is the journaling. And I think that that's another practice we could talk about. And I was I was talking to a real good friend last night, and uh, we were just reminiscing about where we are. We don't live near each other, so we don't see each other. And we were talking about just life today and you know, I've got this extensive to-do list, and I saw some T-shirt that said, turn your to-dos and to-dot. And she said, I've decided to do things a little different. She said, I'm not going to make a to-do list. I'm going to make I did list. I did this today. I did that today. Instead of saying the to-do list and check and check and check. Now, maybe I will still end up doing that, but perhaps I will combine that with when I get to the end of my day and I'm doing my meditation and think about, this is what I did today. This is what felt good today. This is what my day was like 
today, and I'm grateful. And I just thought, wow, an I did day. I just, I thought that was a really, I love learning from my friends. I think that one thing that you know about yoga that you know that I know is that if you are closed, you aren't going to learn anything because nothing getting in. If the door is closed, nothing's coming in unless it's banging really hard, and then you might say, who's there? Otherwise, yeah, if, you're, if your inner self is open, if your hands are facing upward, now sometimes they're facing down because we want to be grounded. I understand that as well. But when we are open to change, change can happen. I know. I've experienced it. Can. Yeah, and, you know, it, I love that um, at the end of the day, the I did list. Um, mm-hmm. And we started talking about journaling a little bit. So whether mm-hmm. you're journaling or you're just sitting there and reflecting in your mind, this is this is a very important practice of self-reflection, is looking back at the day that's just happened and noticing, mm-hmm. you know, where did you succeed as a human being? Just were you kind? Were you... Um, present to those around you? Were you uh, engaged in activities that held meaning for you? And so these are the ideas. And if you notice that you didn't do something as in that regard that maybe is was an intention and you didn't live up to it or you notice that you would like to do something a bit, little bit different or better the next day, it's super important not to be judgmental of oneself. Oh, but to boy. Make a mental note, right? Mm-hmm. But to make a mental note and go, yeah, I I could have been more present with my husband in conversation. You know, I was distracted. He was trying to talk to me about something. I was distracted. I could have been, brought more presence to that conversation. Or I could have been a little more patient with that person in front of me in line today. I know I was in a rush, but I, I just I could have been more patient. So we can make those mental notes. That's part of self-reflection, too, is how do we embody a greater um, a, a better part of who we are. <laughs> oh, gosh, you just used another buzzword. I mean, a true buzzword in yoga. I'm sorry, I just, I, 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 sometimes I go on another path, but you said something that was really key, and it was one of those things, um, and I can feel it, it's happening. It's one of those things that, really struck me in the very beginning of my practice when she used the word that you just used, which is non-judgment. Stop it, Marcia. Stop judging. You didn't say, I'm judging myself because I didn't do that. I should have made more time for my husband. You weren't judging it. You were saying in reflection, huh, that's interesting. That That's a note to self. But one of the beauties, the beauties of yoga is the non-judgmental side of yoga. And for people that are critical of themselves, for people that have high anxiety, for people that just live on that type A personality that's ramped at a, you know, a million miles an hour, I just find that hearing your voice, your voice, Jenny, and those that do what you do, it just it just naturally makes those shoulders come down. And I don't ever not take the opportunity to say that to whoever I'm speaking to. Like, did you notice if your shoulders are up? Because you sound kind of like really uptight. And it's like, 
oh, dang, you're right. Like my shoulders are way up. I think they're attached to my ears. Yeah, they probably are. I know mine are a lot of times when all of a sudden there's a computer issue, there's some technology that's just throwing me a curveball, and it's like, dang, I don't have any more space for technology up in that brain of mine. What am I supposed to do now? You know, I think that that is such the beauty of what it is that you do and you share with others. I, I just, I think it's fabulous. But like you, question person. In fact, there would probably be people that would say, enough with the questions, Marcia. Um, are you going to listen to the answer or are you just going to keep firing away at your questions? Because that would be an area. So, sorry, I just heard a little judgment there. Um, <laughs> I heard a big judgment there. Um, but I'm a, we're, all, we're all a work in progress. So what yeah, is can it I say about, something about please. can I say something about judgment before we go on please. to another please. topic? Um, because I think this is so very important, and I just want to reinforce how important any practice of self-reflection is to be kind to one another, to oneself. Um, we are not seeing a very kind world right now, and I think that that's a reflection of the inner voices, which so many people hold that are self-critical. And when we're self-critical and self-judgmental and just always on edge in our own mind, it's very hard to show up and be kind to other people. And so this change has to happen within our own consciousness, each one of us. We've got to get off the inner judgment cycle and be kind, be nice to yourself. Honestly, if I could send one message into the world right now, it might just be that. Be nice to yourself and to one another. It is so simple. It is something that we should have been taught as children. And I remember teaching this to my son. And he will laugh if he hears this podcast because there was a whole uh, Saturday homeschool session on being just being nice. And we laugh about it sometimes because, it really is a simple lesson, but somehow we forget about it. We forget it, and we just get mean to ourselves. And when we're mean in our own minds, we're mean to one another, and then no one's happy. And so it's right. the quickest journey back to happiness is to practice kindness and non-judgment to yourself and then to those around you. And honestly, the world would be such a nicer, happier place for all of us if we could all just do that. Wow. So all of you listening, hope you're taking notes. You can always play this back again. All right. This, this could, I could probably spend two hours talking with you because this conversation is really meaningful to me personally, and, I, and I'm getting a great deal out of this with you. But I, what I had asked you, and I thought that this was kind of interesting because your, your book title is provocative when you say 108 provocative questions for spiritual evolution so what is it about questions that you love so much i absolutely adore questions because when when i meet someone and they start telling me what is you know total answers i think hmm, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to hang out with this person too much. Um, but if somebody asks me a question and they're engaged in a dialogue with me, like we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. you're curious 
and we're going back and forth. And I know this is a, a you've invited me to share about me today, so there's not as many questions going back to you. But honestly, if we if if it was just the two of us having tea, mm-hmm. I would be asking you many questions as well. And um, I think it's so important that we ask one another questions and that we not come into relationships with thinking that we know everything or anything at all really about the other person, but that we bring this natural curiosity and create an open space where there can be sharing. And there's kind of an interesting phenomenon happening with, um, I think, the younger generation is that they, they talk at each other, like they'll just talk about themselves and then the other person will talk about them. And this is something that I've worked with my son on is not doing that but actually asking questions of each other. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of a lost art, I think, of asking meaningful questions, provocative questions, questions that are going to engage that person in not only thinking about their answers, maybe deeper, but also sharing something more than surface level. And so... That's what I love about questions because it just takes us into deeper relationship both with ourselves and with each other. That's that is a perfect that's a perfect response and I I ask a lot of questions and I don't have to know you to ask questions. And uh I also am very mindful that if I start a question with you while you're walking your dog or you're standing behind me in line in the market and you're wearing a baseball cap or a clippers cap or something that is meaningful to me, I can assure you I'm going to start a conversation with you and I'm going to ask you some questions. I guess the key for me and my personality, because I do ask a lot of questions, is I can read I can tell when somebody's going, oh, God, you know, their eyeballs, their their eyes roll or they look the other direction. It's like, okay, I get that. I, Hey, you don't need me to ask you any more questions. You don't want to be interrogated. You're ready to just buy your milk and get the heck out of the market instead of talking about whatever it is I started asking you. How long have you lived here? You know, whatever that might be. So I, I like you. I I like to ask questions because how else do you know? How do you know how you are how we are all connected which I am convinced we are? If I talk with you long enough and you share what you know and what you feel and what you're what we're talking about, there will be a connection. It's just a matter of when we'll discover that. But I I am a firm believer that we are all connected and that's why conversations <laughs> plus connections equals community. That's why it's at the heart of what I do because I have always lived this way. But what I'd be curious to know for you is are there any questions that you personally wrestle with? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> many. <laughs> many. I, I, I'm just constantly wrestling with questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what one is. What's up today? <laughs> on my, on my heart today, today yeah. yes. Uh, well, the one that I, I guess I've been wrestling with more generally recently is in conversation with people who maybe hold different political beliefs than I do is, mm-hmm. um, can you help me understand why you believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that rather than having holding judgment against one another, we need to be asking more 
to understand. You know, we need to be seeking those those places where we can understand one another. We might not always agree with one another, even after we understand. We might not agree, and that's fine because everyone's entitled to their opinion. Right. But there is something about when we understand how someone has come to their their belief system or their thoughts about something that we then we move closer to respect, we move closer to connection. Uh, um, so that's one that one's been present. It's not always an easy one. Um, you know, if we if we're with someone whose values are vastly different than ours, um, mm-hmm. it can feel really challenging to sit in kind of that open space of trying to understand them and stay out of judgment. But um, the Yoga Sutras have a teaching around that. It's um, equanimity in oh, yep. the presence of someone who shares opposing values. So we're asked to just remain even-minded and not reactive. And can you imagine what a different world this would be if we were non-reactive <laughs> to the people and things that were different from us? You know, there's so much reactivity just batting back and forth. And it doesn't really help or solve anything. It certainly doesn't bring us to um, solutions where there are compromises and there is understanding. So we need to, I think, take that yogic teaching of practicing equanimity, non-reactivity, quiet mind, and hold space so that we can begin to understand one another more. Yep. That's one of those bud words. I've used that word, too. That is a good one. I had never heard that term before. I've learned so many words and terminology, even even the fact that rarely do I hear people that are really into their yoga practice ever referring to people as people. The word is human. And, and I've noticed, and here's the other word, oh, my God, that has nothing to do with yoga, but it's the word that every single person is using today, which is pivot. Frankly, I always thought that was something you did on a basketball court because I'm a basketball fan. But you are hearing people use the word pivot, and it's across the board. And I think that pivoting and sort of making these changes will allow us, hopefully, with our with our respectability to to get along and and to recognize that we may not share all the same beliefs that is all right that doesn't mean that we have to but by by sort of pivoting our judgment and just listening and helping me understand you know i i just i i like that and so that's that's a word that seems to be really around a lot i've noticed with a lot yeah. of people that have been on my show are pivoting For sure, this this concept of pivot or change is so Mm -hmm. ubiquitous right now. And it's but Mm -hmm. really, what what are we what are we shifting towards? Hopefully, we're shifting towards a more loving consciousness, individually and collectively. Hopefully, we're shifting or pivoting towards a recognition that we are all interconnected as a species on this planet. And so we can't think in a self-serving way if we want to be sustainable. The high-level kind of concepts that we're needing to pivot onto or shift onto at a consciousness level 
Mm-hmm. And so that's, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that during this difficult time that people, more and more people are starting to, or humans, more and more humans are starting to recognize that we need to up-level our, our consciousness. Oh, my gosh, up-level. I swear to you, last week, I had never heard that term before, up-level. I had to look it up. That's another term, <laughs> like pivot, that I I am so attuned to these words that, frankly, I wasn't familiar with and I'm becoming more and more familiar with. And I I do love it. I, I think that that's, frankly, what conversations do. If this was an interview, this would not be satisfying to me under any circumstances. I just, that because like we just discussed, words matter. I don't think of what you and I are doing is me interviewing you. I think of you and I just sitting over there by the water with you, having some green tea, looking out at the waves, saying, wow, life is beautiful, and just having a conversation because I think that that is truly what we're having, and I am I'm really grateful. There's a lot of gratitude involved in, in this call, and I, I'm so appreciative of it. So in your book, is there a way, maybe you could just sort of tell us, how, how is the best way for us to use your book? Is it a workbook? What is, what is it? How is it going to be structured? Yeah, there's a couple different ways. Um, the book is laid out in 12 chapters, and each chapter has nine questions. And so those chapters are themes, and themes take people through the process a process of change. So it doesn't matter what change you're going through. It could be career, mm-hmm. relationship, health, but it, it's sort of an arc. And um, you can work through it from start to finish if, that, if you're of that mind. Um, other people are going to want to just pop the book open intuitively and see what question pops out to them. Or they might have a special number that's sacred to them, and they're going to want to look up that number. Or there's going to be a special day, and they're going to look up the number of that day. Um, people have used it many different ways. and Or maybe you just look at the 12 themes, and you see one that really touches your heart, and so you want to mm-hmm. dig into those questions. So I think it's really up to each person. It's, very, it's a small book. It's a small hardback, five by seven, and each page Ooh is its own entity. So each page has a question and a little blurb about that question and how to work with it and other things pondering that question. So it's a very easy book to engage with. Um, it's one that I hope people will leave on their tables and dip into and maybe have conversations around and ask their partners or family members, hey, what do you think about this? How would you answer this? And it can, I think, really ignite some interesting conversations as well as that inner self-reflection. I like that. So 108 questions. I I got to just say I'm curious if you don't mind sharing some of this. You mentioned do you do you mind telling me you know the names of your chapters cuz you you've definitely sparked uh, some yeah. interest for me. Do you mind telling sure. me the names of your chapters? Yeah, sure. So the first chapter is changes. Mm-hmm. The second one is values, then beliefs willingness, which we talked about, lessons, accountability, acceptance, inspiration, knowing, love, purpose, and mastery. So it's um, 
it's rich. There's lots in here. And I guarantee mm-hmm. there's at least one question, if not more, that's going to rock your world. So I hope really? people will pick it up and find that question that really makes them stop and go, huh. Oh. Wow, hmm. I never thought of that. And you know, it's going to bring some new inspiration. And mm-hmm. I, I'm really hopeful that this is a book that people will kind of go back to again and again and find new things that inspire them and move them it's forward funny. in the changes that they're wanting to make. It's funny. If you would have seen me, uh, my body went went kind of rocked back. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, I heard, I felt it. But you used a word, and I just want to make sure, because obviously I couldn't write this down that fast. I used, I, I didn't do shorthand in school. I probably could have, but I cheated and I didn't learn it. Um, I'm forgiving myself for that. Did you use the word milling, like with a, with an M? Milling? No. What, what did, what would have uh, been a word that sounded like that? Knowing? Willing, maybe? No. A willing. Yeah, willing. Like willingness or willpower. Got it. Willing. That's what the yeah. word was. Well, I, 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 your chapters, like you said, it just sounds like it's a book that you could just pick up and say, okay, I'm just going to kind of look over this right now and and see what, what, what speaks to me because maybe what speaks to me today might be something that speaks to me a little bit differently tomorrow. I, wouldn't you guess? I mean, it, where, wherever we might be, it just... It might just be. It could change. I'd be just curious of, of all of these these fabulous twelve chapters. And then you said you have nine questions that go within the chapter. Um, do you do you happen to have the book in front of you as we're speaking? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just let's just go to willingness because our willings, willingness, or whatever that, however you, because I didn't write it down right. Can you go to that chapter? And just maybe read me, because I suppose if you're not willing, you might as well not bother. Um, could you read me a question or two just about willingness and what that question might sound like? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm looking at the questions in that chapter on willingness. And as we had talked about earlier, that's such a critical factor to being mm-hmm. able to embrace change. Um, so one is in what way do I need to ask for help? Mm. Um, this one's really up for me. Uh, I had a, a, a loss of someone this week that I knew who was really suffering, and mm. he did not ask for help. And um, so... <sighs> I'm sorry. That you know, probably wasn't a question I would have liked you to go by. That's would okay. You like- that's okay because there, there are people who need to hear this. You know, okay. no, we're not alone. We're not alone. And change is hard. And people are afraid right now. And so we do need to ask for help. And so this question, in what way do I need to ask for help? We've got to be willing to do that. We've got to be willing to figure out what way do I need to ask for help and then do it. Ask someone. How, and then um, another one in here is what, what do I need to act on today? And sometimes what do I need to, to I'm know. sorry, what do I need to what? I didn't hear the, th- what do act, I need? Act on. What do I need to oh, act, act on? Oh, act on, A-C-T. What do I need yeah. to act on today? Yeah, because sometimes we we know we need to do something, but we're we're just 
stuck and not moving. And so this sense of what do I need to act on today, just take one step, one baby step. If you're depressed, if you're feeling alone, if you're stuck in some way, ask for help. Take one baby step. Reach out and email somebody, call somebody. Um, Just take a baby step. I like that. Because because of the technology we have today, that that is something that I really appreciate. I don't think there's anything that feels more meaningful to me when I hear from somebody I wasn't expecting to hear from. We know who's in our inner bubble. We know who you know we talk to. Maybe not all the time, but but we're we're in dialogue with with that best friend or whomever, that family member, whoever. But when you get some kind of communication, whether it's on social media, it's a phone call, it's a text, and you're going, wow, that only happened for one reason. You were clearly thinking about me. Thank you for checking in with me. That makes me feel so I'm just going to use that word that makes me feel so loved, but it takes me to another place, which is, so, Marsha, you know how great that felt to get that unexpected call or card or whatever? Pass it on. Who could you reach out to that is not expecting to hear from you to just say, just checking in, how are you today? You talked about kindness earlier. My gosh, if that isn't a word, and, and and I loved what you said, Jenny. How can we be kind to others if we cannot be kind to ourselves? And we say, oh, I want to be kind to you because I think of myself as a kind person. Really? You think of yourself as a kind person, and yet your inner voice is just beating yourself up? Is that kind? Mm-hmm. My friend is listening yes. to this. You know what I'm talking about, my friend. You've got to change that tape in your head so that you start by being kind with yourself because you're so kind to me. And I don't know. I, I think that, you, like you said, we don't all agree that you, you are wrestling with that question. Our political beliefs are certainly dividing us in many different ways today. I've seen it happen in families where it's just torn families apart. I feel bad for that for that when that happens. But if we're not willing to evolve, which is what I love about the title of your book, 108 Provocative Questions. About what? You know, the weather, the stock market? No. It's not 108 Provocative Questions about should I wear red today or blue today. It's about spiritual evolution. And if we're willing to evolve, and not everybody is, I get that. I'm not judging you. But I know I am. And because I am, I feel like the universe is speaking to me in a way that before I didn't really get to hear. You know? And this is so true, Marsha. And, you know, this thing about reaching out to others, when we're it, – it's a, it's a circle, right? We, we've mm-hmm. got to think who, who might need our help, and we've got to reach out to them. And you know what happens when we do that? we feel better. <laughs> we're, we shouldn't be doing it to make ourselves feel better, but it no. just is a natural byproduct because it we're is. connected. And so we have to be vulnerable enough within our own frailties and 
shame and mistakes and everything else to say, hey, I need help right now and ask when we need it. And we've got to be open enough and loving enough to reach out and help others when we have that capacity so that Mm -hmm. we can know that we can also be the receiver on another day. And so we, we just, if we all moved into more of that giving mode, then it wouldn't feel so hard to ask for help. And one of the greatest things that we can do when we feel down is to reach out and help somebody else because it's just immediately going to make us feel more connected and less alone in our troubles because everyone is struggling in some way right now. And so when we can step out of just our own inner torment long enough to perceive someone else's struggle and reach for their hand and say, how can I help you? Well, then immediately we're being helped too. So there's no, there's no loss in this equation. It's a win-win. It is a win-win. I absolutely agree. So would you say that that's what spiritual evolution means to you? What, how would you define it? Well, spiritual evolution holds so many things, but certainly it's, it's, it's many levels. And it, at the first level, it is this. It's the, it's the coming back to just a harmonious inner relationship with ourselves. It's recognizing that we're more than our human stories and the stuff that we're going through right now or that we've been through in the past, that we have a spirit that is beyond and so much bigger and so much more resilient and so much more filled with love and light than maybe what we've experienced ourselves to be so far in this life, that we just need to choose that and step towards that. Uh, We need to ask for the help to do so from guides that we trust that, um, you know, will help get us there. Uh, We need to encourage one another. We need to be arms open to those around us and loving. And as we embody that more and more, we evolve. We do. Our consciousness changes, and we start to feel happier. We start to feel more peaceful. We start to be less affected by the dramas of the world. And that's all of that, to me, is spiritual evolution. Mm -hmm. You know... It's so nice when we can close our eyes at night, do whatever that routine is for you, whoever you are, who's ever listening, but incorporate the gratefulness that we have. That by, I think that's just another really key word um, for me. You know, I feel so grateful and I'm so, I feel so fortunate. And it's not easy. It's not like, oh, well, yeah, because, you know, this, you, yeah, you, no. You don't, you don't always know what's going on in my brain. There's so much chatter up there at times. And I sometimes just have to quiet that person that's just talking so much and just reflect some of the words that you use. I think there should be, I don't know if there's a book like this, and maybe it's even in your book. Do you have a glossary at the back of your book? Yeah. Um, my other two books have glossaries, actually, but mm-hmm. this one doesn't. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, I think. Yeah, I think glossary. Well, for somebody like me and somebody that uses a wordsmith, I mean, gloss a glossary of words and those definitions, because they mean. And it's not. It's not like it's the be all to end all. This is the definition. So you take take it or leave it. It's just your interpretation of the term. But I think that. It's it's really a, 
here's one of the things about me, Jenny, that that I struggle with. If you were to ask me, well, Marsha, what what is the struggle that you could relate to? And I would say, I wish I wasn't so literal. I wish that what you said to me, I didn't apply literally. If I could learn to sort of mellow out the literal and just sort of just be present and not just try to analyze it, but just be present, I would say that that would be what I struggle with. That's the questions that I would say to myself. Take take a chill pill, like the kids would say. Bring it down a notch, Mom. You know, just don't. You don't have to be so literal about everything. And it's like, well, you know, I've been doing this for. Um, that doesn't mean you have to stay that way, because I could spark the change, couldn't I? Yeah, of course. It's, we can always change. We're meant to be in constant evolution throughout our lives. And I just want to touch on gratitude. I mean, I'm very grateful to have had this conversation with you today, Marcia. It's been really a fantastic one. Uh, so spontaneous. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And I've loved your insights on the different words that are meaningful mm-hmm. and rattling around in your world oh, right now. You. So I think that true we're we're all sharing those um concepts and kind of Mm -hmm. pondering what they mean for us and gratitude is um a practice that is not new it's certainly been talked about a lot in um self-development circles but the reason it works (laughs) is because it's like a magnet so when we feel crappy and we can reach for any thought of gratitude, anything, it could be so small. It could just be like, I'm just glad the sun is shining today. Mm-hmm. Well, that gratitude thought is like a magnet of good, and it just immediately starts to bring more of the goodness towards mm-hmm. us. And so it is an incredibly powerful energetic practice that in these times of challenge that we're all in, it's so important to be grateful for the things that we can be grateful for. You know, we have a roof over our head. We have running water. We have friends that we could talk to. We have, you know, whatever it is um, that you can reach for. It it will start to magnify those blessings in your life. And it's it's just a practice that we can't underestimate. It really is. I agree. And before we say goodbye, and I will certainly include this in my written blog about this show for those of you that are listening if you are as grateful and appreciative as i have been listening to jenny's story i do want you to know how simple it is to find her on the internet so sometimes people spell jenny in different ways so i'm going to just tell you this is how you can find jenny it's j-e-n-n-i-e lee l-e-e yoga therapy.com and you even have an excerpt um, on on your page and I, I'm so excited for you that your new book is coming out tomorrow and I know it will be a rousing success and I can't possibly before we say goodbye not thank the connector for us and you know who I'm speaking about don't you yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Thank you for uh, oh. connecting us. And, yeah, she's Elizabeth. a great connector. That is oh, she <laughs> is. I, Elizabeth is a remarkable woman, and because she wants to be the best ever, she wants us to be the best ever you, she has a group of the most remarkable people, 
and and you are just one of them, as was Sally Huss that I had on last month, as is Chris Fuller that I'm going to have on next week. All of you are, have the connection to to Elizabeth in Maine and you in Hawaii and Chris in Canada. It's just it's just incredible. And that's what I think is the overarching message as we say goodbye. We don't have to be alone. If you're ha- if you're able to listen to this show, that does suggest that you have some capability in the internet world of some sort. So reach out. Find out what people are doing that can help you because, as you said so brilliantly, gratitude works like a magnet of good. And if that's something that we can do by being grateful and being good and being nice, we it's a win-win. And I'm just, I am so grateful that you've spent this time with me today. Uh, I could, I wish that I was sitting there on the beach with you, but this is the next best thing. And I, I want to just thank you for being so gracious with your time today. I know we ran a little over, but that's okay because it was certainly worthwhile so thank you thank you jenny for for joining me and you know and maybe we'll talk you know next year and you'll tell me about the next book you're working on because i can't believe this is your (laughs) last one Uh, you're probably got something cooking anyway (laughs) so everyone (laughs) you're welcome everybody have a great healthy week be safe and i'll look forward to you joining me again next week bye for now everybody